Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. It's great to see you again this morning. I always like when you come back. It's really a good thing. You know, I don't know what's got into me, but it seems like on Sunday mornings I get a little bit giddy about coming to church and seeing you all. And from this point of view, you look pretty amazing, I will have to say. I love talking to you before the service. I love connecting and chatting with you uh, after the service. You folks are, how shall I put it? Hmm, very special. It's a very, very special family, and I certainly count it a privilege to have the opportunity just to be a part of the pastoral and uh, staff team that get to serve you throughout the week. You know, we love serving God, and we love serving you as well. Well, we started um, a couple weeks ago a brand new series called The Elephant in the Room. There's a reason we called it the elephant in the room, because we're talking about getting a handle on personal finances. And that it's the elephant in the room because nobody wants to talk about their personal finances. It's personal, right? We said this a couple of weeks ago, right? We have our personal checking account. We have our personal savings account. We have our personal uh, financial advisor. We have our personal paycheck. We have our personal tax return. It's so personal. Why are you even talking about this, Donald? And if you're here visiting for the first time, you might be like, oh, brother, did I just hear the word finances roll off that man's mouth? And you probably are on the point of beginning to panic. And you may say, I've been invited under false pretenses this morning. The church is going to be telling me how to spend my money. Well, you can be assured that's not going to happen here this morning. But we are going to look at what the Bible has to say about managing our money. You may be quite surprised how good financial vice is from here. In fact, many of the organizations that you'll see that talk about finances get their principles uh, right here from God's word. You know, survey reveals, survey after survey after survey reveals that the number one concern for men today is finances. We're always trying to figure out how we can learn something about our finances. So that's why I think it's amazing that a book uh, that was written over 2,000 years ago has principles that can apply to us living in 2017. In fact, the Bible, uh, there's well over 2,000 verses that talk about how to manage your, your money. And in fact, I think it talks about money more than any other subject in the Bible. And the principles that we're going to look at here this morning are not shortcuts, um, financial shortcuts. They're not anything about naming it and claiming it, but they're sound uh, values that are based on God's word, which ultimately he is the owner of everything. Now, every time I um, talk about money or any opportunity I have to talk about money, it's true, I get a little bit nervous. I am a little bit apprehensive. And I know, I absolutely know that there are people in this audience here this morning that want to ask me a question. And the question is, why are we talking about money in church? And it's a great question. It's a great question. You know, you may say, uh, can I get this information like at the library? 
Can I go to Lampton College and take a course? Can I look, turn on the financial uh, station on TV? Can I listen to Dave Ramsey uh, on the radio? I mean, since we can get this information out of the places, why are we spending so much time? I mean, this is week three, Donald, that you've been speaking on this subject. Well, as you read through the Old Testament and as you read through the New Testament, you really do discover that God has a lot to say about this subject. And it's true, it talks about giving, but it mainly talks about just how to manage uh, your finances. See, God knew this was going to be a major thing. It was going to take a big part of our life. It takes a lot of our mind space, right? Can I pay the mortgage? Uh, boy, I need to save for a new car. I, do we have enough money to pay for the kids' education? I mean, it's always on our mind. We're always trying to wrestle through uh, the subject of finances. And lots of times, we like to car uh, compartmentalize it there's my financial life and then there's my spiritual life my church life like they're two separate uh, entities but when you read through the scriptures and you see what God says in the Old Testament see what Jesus says in the New Testament the two are so intricately woven together they cannot be separated the two are one now I assume that some here may say well you know what I don't think God and money should be mixed much like I don't think God and politics should be mixed and if you're here this morning and maybe you're still kind of wrestling through this whole idea of who God is and, yeah, maybe you think maybe there's something outer space there, a higher power, whatever, you know, you may find, or I've at least discovered, that even those mix money and God. Because how many times have I heard people say, oh, God, if you would just give me enough money to buy that car. We're always mixing God and finances. And so uh, that's why I think it's an important part. Let's see what the Bible actually has to say. So we get good information, not just faulty information. Now, if I was to ask you the question, what do you want to accomplish with your money? I don't know if you've ever been asked that. How would you answer that question? What would you like to accomplish with your money? And maybe at first you go, I, I, whew, I have no idea. I have no idea. And then maybe after a couple of minutes, you may say, oh, I know what I want to accomplish with my money. I want to be, be able to provide for my family. That's what I want to accomplish with my money, which I think is a great thing, obviously. But if that was your only thing, if that was all that you uh, did, but your money was just provide for my family, just provide for my family, just provide for my family, you get so narrow-focused, and really you get a little off-balance. And the Bible talks about this balanced life. Now, maybe some of you may say, well, my main accomplishment for money is I just want to make as much as I can. I just want, I just want to make as much as I can. Which, is, of course, is great to make money. Nothing wrong with that. But just imagine if that was your only focus, make money, make money, make money. Boy, a lot of sacrifices take place. You find yourself working every weekend, working nights, and before you know, a couple weeks have gone by, a couple months have gone by. Boy, you didn't have time to go to your son's ball game or your girl's dance recital, or, or that hockey game with your family. Sacrifices, you know, just, that's all I'm about. Kind of get off balance. Or maybe you may say, well, I just want to save as much as possible. Hey, that's great, isn't it? Save, save for money, that's great. You know, just save, 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 save. I find that people who just want to save, 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 get that focus are not really fun to live with. You know what I'm saying? Because they don't want to have any fun. It's, it's just about save. And we kind of get off balance. And some would say, well, my main accomplishment with my mind, I just want to have financial freedom. And then we always ask the question, well, what, 
does that even look like? And so as we wrestle through this, we're just trying to find a balance about managing uh, our money. Now, the first week, we, we talked uh, about money and our heart. If you remember this illustration, uh, we looked at Matthew chapter 6, that famous sermon that Jesus talked about. And in Matthew chapter 6, he's on the mountain talking, and there's thousands of people. And um, he dives into the subject of money, Jesus does. And he says, where your treasure is, there will you find your heart. See, Jesus says, wherever your, your stuff is, <laughs> wherever that is, guess what's going to be right next to it? It's your heart. Wherever your money, your stuff, your finances, your investment, that's where your heart will be. And uh, that's why we have these tied together because they're always together. They're never by themselves. If you go looking for your heart, be guaranteed you'll find your treasure right there. Or if you say, I'm going to go looking for my treasure, guess what? You find your heart right there. The question that we dealt with in, our, in week number one was, who is leading in this relationship? That was what we wrestled with. Who is leading in the relationship? Because we know if money leads, your heart will follow. But we also know if your heart leads, right, the money will follow. So the question is, who, who's leading in the relationship? And if you weren't here for week number one, you're, you're kind of thinking, what is he talking about? I encourage you to go to our website, check out week number one about the connection between our money and our heart. And then week number two, we looked at uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 13. If you remember, we looked at that passage. Some people think, well, it must be a misprint. Maybe Jesus misspoke because it's Jesus speaking. And we looked at that verse where it said that um, uh, you cannot serve both God and money. And at first we say, well, that, that doesn't seem right. Jesus, you made a mistake. You're supposed to have said you can't serve both God and the devil. I mean, that's where the contrast is. That's what we wrestle with every day. But that's not what he said. Because you know why? I think he knows what we would be wrestling with every day is our money and God. That's what we would be battling every day of our lives. And I don't know if that conflict ever goes away, to tell you the truth. I don't know if the tension is just always felt there, a day after day. But one of the things that we concluded after looking at that verse is, together, I think we agreed, you can trust God with your finances. Like, you can trust Jesus with your stuff, with your money. The thing is, when we serve money, stuff, treasures what we find is we serve a master who cannot satisfy he just can't he can't satisfy no matter how hard you try when you serve money and it's your master it can never offer you contentment it just can't we looked at that and then last week we we looked at that very very controversial subject if you remember the subject of ownership versus stewardship. And I think some of you might have gone home with your blood just boiling. Your, your, your blood pressure just skyrocketed. Like, what is that man talking about? That ownership uh, is a myth. And we looked at Matthew chapter 25, and Jesus is, is speaking, and he's giving these, um, 
He's telling a story, and he is the master storyteller. And he's telling this story that his audience are very intrigued, and they're, they're listening as to what he is saying. And when we looked at it, what we discovered in the Bible says that ownership is a myth. But stewardship is a reality. And I know some of you went home probably this past week and kind of wrestled through that. Uh, you're back here this week and you're not really absolutely convinced. And that's okay because we're learning together. That's what we're doing. We're all at different uh, stages on our, on our growth when it comes to even our finances and our spiritual life. But what we're endeavoring to do is to, just to build a solid uh, biblical financial strategy with what the Bible talks about. Now there's a lot of confusion around finances. You know, you think relationships can be confusing? You know, we think problems can be confusing, changes in life can be confusing. I don't know if they can compare to sometimes how confusing finances are. Uh, research says that more divorces happen over finances than any other subject. 51% of all divorces occur over financial tension. I don't know if anybody's ever, ever seen that show called Till Debt Do Us Part. And you know, it's a couple and they're struggling their finances and a counselor comes in and kind of explains the problem that they're having and, and they could be making lots of money but it just seems like they're drowning in debt and so she comes to make some advice of what you need to do because the reality is it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's, it's how much you spend. And just because you make a lot doesn't mean you're a good manager of what you have. Perhaps you've seen the slogan that sits on people's desks that says this, when I started working, I used to dream of the day when I might earn the salary that I am now starving with. Have you ever heard of that? I can remember when I first started, I was in seminary, I was offered a job at Faith Bible Church in Virginia. And um, I was in school, they asked if I would uh, come part-time while I was finishing my school, then full-time afterwards. And I can remember a friend of mine said to me, well, how much are they going to pay you? I went, I don't know. I have no idea. But I do remember saying, what would I do with $18,000? That is crazy talk. I just thought it was over the top. Like, I'd be like a millionaire. I still remember that, $18,000. And he got talking. He says, what about they offered you twenty? I almost fell to my knees. I was like, no, $20,000. I would I'd like live like Donald Trump with that kind of money. And then, of course, as time goes by, right? All of a sudden, what you really dreamed, now you find that you're starving on, even though that was your dream of salary. Now, I realize that many of us have felt um, in different seasons of our life financial uh, uncertainty. You know, a few years ago, right, we faced the whole economic uh, downturn, and um, some were just trying to avoid bankruptcy. You know, some of us were just hoping to hang on to our jobs. Some of us were looking at our investments and stocks, and she's like, it was disappearing. I can remember, again, when I was uh, in Virginia, I was told, you know, Donald, I know you're just a young guy in ministry, but let me just tell you, um, there's no uh, retirement packages if you're a pastor. You've got to look after yourself. I remember hearing that. He says, so you need to start putting money aside. So I took that advice um, at 24 years of age, and I started putting money aside. And I can remember this. After 10 years, I actually had $20,000 in this RSP. Well, actually, down there, it's like a Roth investment in the States. But it was for retirement. And I was like, wow, this is really going well. And then guess what? 
the stock market went down. And I got my statement, and it was worth 1600 I was like, oh, my whole life, 10 years of saving, gone. So I know what it's like, right? That whole uncertainty, the financial future uh, of uncertainty. But every time that we're willing to listen to pitches that will, or schemes that sound good, you know, guarantees, no-brainers, you can't miss out, we find that we're going to be disappointed with life. If you really want some financial security and success, I'd say let's see what, what the Bible actually has to say about it. In fact, last week we said, it's kind of scary actually, isn't it, to surrender your finances to God? Because it's the unknown. We're fearful of the whole thing. Uh, and most of us aren't rich enough to, to buy everything that we, we see and the stuff that we want. So what happens is we actually go deeper and deeper in debt. And consumer debt is always growing higher than our personal income. That means we're going to get farther behind this year than we were last year. And it's not usually because of the big things that we buy. Sometimes it's just the consistency of all the small things that begin to add up. In fact, if you look at the federal data, it says that now more and more of us, the majority of our paychecks are just going on for debt payments. In fact, uh, the last stat said that over the last 10 years, uh, credit card debt has increased by 30%. And that's why we're taking the time right here in January, at the beginning of the year, so many of us are setting new goals and, and want to be different in the new year of 2017. That's why we're kind of just looking at some of these areas that the Bible has to talk about managing our money. In fact, the Bible says how you handle your money. This is interesting when you look at some verses. How you handle your money will be determined, actually, a lot of times how God blesses you. It's actually, I think um, finances are a test of character because Jesus says in Luke uh, chapter 16, verse 11, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, well, who will trust you with true riches? What Jesus is saying. So let's just look at a few principles, financial principles from the Bible this morning. And I, I, I can tell you right now, there's nobody that's going to leave this room saying that Donald Calder is a genius. The stuff that he comes up with, he's amazing. No, no, these are refreshingly simple things that the Bible talks about. So first... I'm just going to write it on the board here. The first principle in Scripture we're going to look at seems simple. We're just going to write it down here. Plan your spending. Principle uh, number one, plan your spending. We talked a little bit briefly about that last week. But we just can't go through the next 10 years like we've done in the last 10 years. It's just kind of fumbling around in the dark wondering where you know, our money is and where it's going. In Proverbs, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs. If you're not familiar with the Bible, you kind of just open it up in the middle. You probably follow the book of Psalms, take a sharp right, and it's the very next book. Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. Let's look at verse uh, 23 and 24. Are you there? Are you there? 
All six of you are. Good. <laughs> Proverbs 27, 23 says, Know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. What it's saying there is riches can disappear very fast. So you better watch out. You better watch your business interests closely. That's what it's basically saying. Uh, this, of course, when this was written, most people's investments, their, their um, livelihood, their assets were tied up in flocks and sheep and cattle and goats. And what he's saying to these ranchers, these farmers, these shepherds, say, know what you have. Know what your assets are. I think if it was written today, if Proverbs was written in our day and age, it would say, know what's in your, in your accounts, know your bills, know your expenses, know where your money's going. And if you're going to know where your money's going, guess what? That's going to require. This is what the scripture's talking about now. It's re- going to require keeping a record. In fact, it's saying you've got to keep a, a track of your finances. You've got to be aware of how we use our money. If you've ever said, I don't know where it all goes at the end of the month, that should be a warning sign. That should be like a red flashing light. We are not keeping track of our spending. You've probably heard the term money talks. It also quietly slips away and it never sends you a forwarding address as to where it goes. Here's the truth. In math, one plus one equals two. Ignorance plus easy credit equals disaster. If we don't have good records and we have credit cards, you could be in very big trouble. You have to be up on your spending. That's why, this is Solomon speaking, by the way, who was, uh, has been given the title the wisest man who ever lived, apart from Jesus. The wisest man. So he's giving some of his advice on finances. In Proverbs 23, verse 23, just the back of chapter, buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. Get the facts. Get the facts. We need to be realistic about our finances. You know, I have a good friend, a very good friend, who uh, has held a few executive positions in large corporations. And she used to say to me, Donald, are you walking in the fog? I go, what? You walk in the fog? Yeah. Are you talking about facts, opinions, or guesses? And I've never forgotten that. And I take that same thing and I apply it to my personal finances. When I'm looking at my finances, now, Donald, am I dealing with the facts? Are these just opinions or are these guesses? Because if it's just opinions and guesses, I need to get a little bit uh, smarter and see what the facts are. That's what, that's what Solomon is saying. Look at over in uh, Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21. We're going to look at a lot of verses this morning. 21 verse 5. It says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. What it's saying there, if we don't plan carefully, we won't have much. You plan carefully, and you can have plenty. If you ever act too quickly, it says you won't have enough. 
Financial freedom and success has nothing to do with how much money we make. It has everything to do with how much we spend. And if you don't have a plan for your yearning, it will always exceed your earnings. And that's the reality. I have um, some really good friends of mine. When I uh, started out um, as a youth pastor, uh, my friends and I, we lived um, in a townhouse in, in Sterling, Virginia. And um, one day, my uh, good friends of mine uh, got together with me, and they said, uh, Donald, um, we know how much you make because it's printed in the annual report every year in the church. So we know how much you make. And we make three times the amount of money that you do. Okay? We're making three times the amount we're both living in a townhouse. How is it possible that you were able to, to um, rent out your townhouse and buy another house? I go, you know what? I think because I spend less than what you guys do. Even though you make three times uh, the amount of money. Remember, it's never about how much you make. It's always about how much you spend. And if you spend less than what you make, you will find yourself in a much better situation than the majority of people. That's just the, the truth. Look at Proverbs 21.5 again. It says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. <sighs> Plan carefully, and you have plenty. You act too quickly, and you won't have much. Have you heard the term impulse buying impulse buying is I see it I see it I feel it I taste it I want it that's uh, impulse buying anyone guilty of that no don't have to, but I'll raise up my hand you know you see the sizzle of the steak you walk in you begin to smell it and before you know it it's on your plate advertisers are swift they don't want you to go home and, and think about it. They want you to make a decision based on emotions. They stir up the emotion by making the item look very, you know, sexy under the lights and, and the colors. And we say, no, I don't want just one. I want two. Has anybody ever gone through a timeshare presentation in Florida? That is the worst. I can remember uh, my last one, the very last one I sat through. Um, it's supposed to be in 45 minutes, and it was two hours. And I was getting frustrated, and I can remember the guy saying, that says, now listen, for $40,000, you can have this incredible condo. It'll be all yours a week for the entire blah, blah, blah. You know how they go in that presentation. I said, well, sir, actually, I would never purchase anything like that. That is a, without lots of time to think, oh, sir, I understand, but today is the day. This deal can't be got tomorrow. Like, it, it's only being offered today. And, you know, you start thinking, whew. Oh, it's so nice. It's so pretty. And then I finally said, you know what? No, I can't. I, I, I just, I can't. I, I have to think about that. He says, you know what? I understand. Let me just go talk to my manager. And uh, I can still remember. I remember this so much. He came back. He says, guess what? For you, we can take $5,000 off today. Yeah, tomorrow we can't because prices are always rising. But five, and then you start thinking, well, huh, oh, my goodness. I could, I could save, if I spend 35000 I can save $5,000, right? <laughs> and then finally, I came to my sense. I said, no, sir, I, I, sorry, I just can't, I, I can't. I could not 
dude, I really need to think about that. I'd have to look over my finances. And he says, let me just talk to my manager one more time. I said, I don't think it really matters. And he came back and he said, guess what? We said 40. I can't, don't even, he's looking around, like, don't tell anybody this. But we'll sell it to you for 26. And then all of a sudden, like, ooh, the pressure. You can feel it on your chest, right? I've got to buy today or I'll lose out. You'll be glad to know I didn't buy it. I don't know if you've ever bought anything and then regretted it later. I think we all have. And there are two words that advertise no that causes impulse buying. And some of us cannot resist these words. That's the truth. Uh, the words cause you to, to drool. They cause you to get weak in the knees. These words are um, irresistible. It's like an addiction. And one of them is a four-letter word. Sale. We just can't miss it. I mean, you hear there's a sale at the mall. Get there. I look forward to all the flyers that come out every week. What are the sales? It's hard to resist a good sale. But thinking that you're going to buy something so that you can save money really is faulty logic, right? We, we understand that. And I've had a lot of faulty logic in my past. That's for sure. The second word that actually catches my attention more than most sales the word sale, is the word clearance. When I walk into a store, I always look for my friend Clarence. Where is he? Because I've discovered Clarence is even better than a sale. Proverbs 21.20 says, There's precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. The word on the street is stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. That's what Solomon is saying here. And let me tell you, I've been stupid many times when it comes to money. So that's why I say you need a plan for your spending. How do I break the whole habit of impulse buying? It's called a budget. And what a budget you ask, it's simply planned spending. It tells you where your money is going rather than, you, than wondering where it all went at the end of the day. And some of you, you have this mastered. You're very good at it, but some of us are really struggling still with that. And that's why we're offering that finding financial piece at the end of this series where you know, it's a little bit smaller group, a lot smaller group where you can be interacting with other people and get a, a, just a a better um, understanding of all this, to dive deeper. It, the, the classes are, are limited, so I, I'd really encourage uh, those that are still trying to work through this whole financial thing to uh, sign up and, and take that course. So number one, plan your spending. Number two, I think the Bible talks about is, these are so unbelievable. Save for the future. I told you, it wasn't, rocket, it wasn't rocket science. It's saved for the future. Proverbs 21, 20. There is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it all up. 
The wise man saves for the future. And study after study after study after study says that a lot of baby boomers, which I'm one, will be broke in retirement. Why? Because we're not saving. We're not saving. We like to live at a higher life style. And therefore, studies are saying that baby boomers are going to be in poverty when retirement hits. Proverbs 13, 11. Look at that verse. Proverbs 13, 11 says, Wealth obtained by fraud dwindles, but the one who gathers by labor increases it. Money that comes easily disappears quickly. We've heard and read stats of people who have won the millions of dollars in the lottery and within a couple years it's gone and they're broke, claiming bankruptcy. Money that comes quickly, the Bible says, disappears quickly. But money that is gathered little by little will grow. And the Bible says we need to learn how to save and the Bible has a lot about saving and investing, which we just don't have time to talk about today. In fact, Proverbs chapter 6, I think most of us probably even know this example. It says, study the ants. They store up food in the summer, so winter comes, they will be well taken care of. So number one, we plan for our spending. Number two, we save for the future. Number three... It's, it's very easy. Number three, enjoy what you have. Enjoy what you have. This is the whole principle of contentment. In Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 9, it says, It is better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. And I'm going to say we probably violate this principle here in Sarnia. Because I know I, I'm guilty. You know, sometimes we just, we buy, we get some more, we get a little bit more, we get a little bit more, we get a little bit more, and, and we never get to enjoy what we have because we always want looking for something more. And we say it's just going to be temporary, but we get caught into a lifestyle of it. And that's why Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, is the key. It says, be content with what you have. Isaiah 55, 2 tells us things will not satisfy. Stuff and things can't offer that satisfaction. We get Bored with them, right? That's why we get bored. That's why we like to redecorate our house. That's why we like to buy a new car. That's why the hottest outfit last summer is not good enough for this summer. That's why we like larger TVs, right? We're looking for something new, and then we have something newer, and then we want the newest. And I'm guilty. I know. I'm speaking from experience. And this is the principle of enjoying what you have. The question is, do these principles actually work? I say absolutely. They have been tried and tested and are true. I could call people up here today, different individuals, who have had this as part of their life. They have planned their spending, they have saved for the future, and they enjoy what they have. And they're not stressed about their finances. 
Temple Baptist Church is committed to helping us succeed in our finances. We want people not to have to feel the burden and the weight and the stress of finances. That's why we'll talk about things like this throughout the year at different times, at different seasons. Because it's a very important part of our lives. And the thing is, I know, because some of you have said, I know some of you are facing some real huge financial pressures. And some of you have said you're, you're almost like at the breaking point with finances. And that's why I share some of these principles. They're refreshingly simple. They're God's plan. Straight from his word. Financial advice to relieve the financial stress. To be prepared. Plan your spending. Save for the future. And enjoy what you have. Before we pray, we've talked a lot today about finances, the stress, the weight of it all. But you know what? The reality is that may not be the weight that you're carrying today. I realize in a, in a congregation of this size, there would be those who are carrying a different kind of burden, a different kind of weight. And honestly, it's the weight of sin. And you, you can't shake it. And I would be admiss if I didn't just say, you know, this is great financial advice from God's word, but God came to save people because he loves people. He loves people. He loves you. And we recently celebrated Christmas, the birth of Jesus, incredible, incredible event. But that's just the beginning of the story, isn't it? It's because he lived for 33 years on this earth and then gave his life. So you didn't have to carry the weight, the burden that weighs us down of always trying to prove ourselves to God. Jesus took care of it. And that's why when he died on the cross, and he said, it is finished. It meant you don't have to do anything else. It's been done for you. What you could not do for yourself, I did. The perfect dying for the imperfect. And so I just want you to know, if you're here this morning, and you find yourself in that situation, that's, that's why we're here. That's why we have been here for 80 years as a church to tell this story that continues to change lives of men and women and college students and teenagers and boys and girls. Let's pray. Uh, Father, uh, this morning, we have been looking at just some basic principles from your word how we can find some financial success in our life to lighten the financial stress and tension that often we find just in living life. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that just some of these simple principles, maybe we 
would re-examine again what your word has to say just about finances and that we can be prepared. Simple and yet so effective. Stuff written a couple thousand years ago and still just as true today for us living in 2017. Now, Lord, we also, we also want people to know as well, not just the financial plan, we want them to know that Jesus saves and that Jesus loves people and that because of Jesus, we actually now can have a relationship with Almighty God, the creator of the universe. No human per- being could ever even think of a plan like that, but you came, you lived among us, and you died for us. And so, Lord, today, I pray that you would open the eyes of those maybe who are just struggling about who you are so they could see not only you're the Savior of the world, but you're their personal Savior as well. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.